we were praying this morning before church and one of the images that came forward was that story where, where the lady with the flowing of the blood pushed through the crowd to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. And it's very interesting that this lady had to push through the crowd. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation where you had to push through a crowd, but it's resistance. It pushes against you. But as she push, pushed her hand through the crowd, she grabbed the hem of his garment. And Jesus immediately turned around and he said, Faith, I, I felt power go from me. Friends, I want to say to you, if you touch God with faith, the power of God will, will come into your life. We trust in God for miracles. We trust in God for lives to be changed. And we, we hear this morning in faith that God will do something in our lives that will ripple through this community and ripple through the nations. We're starting our, our, our fast this week. Who's excited about fasting? Any takers? I appreciate your hands. We're going to be fasting together. I'll introduce it. Um, just the concept of fast, the concept of taking something away that your body really loves and saying, God, you know what? Instead of eating, I'm going to be praying. Instead of, instead of preparing a meal, I'm going to be seeking your face. And friends, you can actually, the first time I fasted five days, I thought they were absolutely crazy. Who can go for five days without food? And my only prayer was, God, keep me alive. And uh, here I am, so it works. But uh, every time we see God, every time we consecrate and we say, Father, I will leave this aside to find you, it's the same as what that lady did, pushed through the crowd. So um, this is our month of consecration. I want to take you to a scripture, Joshua 3 verse 5, just to define consecration and to show you what happens when we consecrate ourselves. Joshua 3 verse 5 says, Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things amongst you. Friends, the concept of consecration for every believer is when you devote, when you make a decision about something to serve something else. Like those of you who goes to gym, any, any, any guys that, that exercise, there we go. I'm also one of them. Why are you laughing, George? But I'm kidding. <laughs> but, but I'm there as well. But I'm consecrating that time because I want to be healthy. And that's just a simple act of consecration. But the thing is, when we consecrate spiritually, like what we're doing this whole month, is we consecrate the month of January to make decisions about our future. And you make decisions when the environment is right, that when the environment is opposing your decision, that you fall back on the decision that you've made. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Is I will exercise even if I don't feel like going to the gym, I'm going. It's a decision that I've made. And that's exactly what Joshua said to the people. He said, consecrate yourself for tomorrow the Lord will do great things amongst you. This is just before they went over the Jordan and into the promised land to take Jericho. What is the great thing that God did? Is He led them into battle. That's almost like, okay, great things. God, great things. You know, I want to go into a country and everything needs to be prepared for me. No, 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 no. Those great things were opposition. And in opposition, they decided to default to what they decided before they were in opposition. 
C.S. Lewis wrote in one of his books, The Screwtape Letters, he said, for the present is the point at which time touches eternity. That is a profound statement. For the present is a point at which time touches eternity. You guys from Destiny, you are studying now because of what you want to do in 20 years' time from now. So what, what happens now has an impact then. Friends, as we as a church fast together, as we see God's face together, it is a moment in time that touches eternity, that has an impact in the rest of this year. And it's much more spiritual than what it is physical. Andrew Murray, you'll see on the board there, Andrew Murray said, through prayer we inhale the heavenly presence of God and exhale it on earth. What a phenomenal way of looking at fasting and praying. As we fast together, we inhale God's presence and we exhale it on earth. We inhale God's presence over your destiny and your purpose. And in prayer, you exhale it and say, God, let your plans and your purpose for my life come. Let your plans and your purposes be done. A few things that I just want to lay as foundations. We fast from grace. Psalm 35 verse 13 says, I humbled my soul with fasting. Friends, when we fast, when we choose to fast, it's a moment of humbling yourself before God. You humble your soul. You almost go into a place where, okay, fine, I know, listen here, I know that feeling where you crave something but you, you refuse it. It's humbling, but it's honoring to God. And then the way God responds to humility is James 4 verse 6 to 8. But God gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I pray that as we fast together, that you will receive God's grace because of your willingness to humble yourself before him. Friends, coming to church is humbling. When you wake up Sunday morning, who feels like getting up and not sleeping late? There's not one of you. Only you, yes. Friends, there's, there's a certain humility that is, that is brought into our lives when we just make decisions according to, according to values. And God will engage with you on that. You will receive grace for that. Fasting is a way to humble yourself. Fasting is a way to slow down. It is so important for us to slow down in life. One of the biggest weapons the devil will use to distract you and to hinder you from growing your relationship with God is he will make you busy. I read quite a bit of C.S. Lewis this past week. Can I read you a passage? You'll enjoy this. It's also from the, the book that he wrote, The Screwtape Letters. And in this book, it is the main demon that is writing his little nephew a letter in how the little nephew should operate to hinder Christians from growing. It's phenomenal. It's, it's, such a, it's so well written. It says, Satan called a worldwide convention. In his opening address to his evil angels, he said, we can't keep the Christians from going to church. We can't keep them from reading their Bibles and knowing the truth. We can't even keep them from, uh, from an intimate abiding relationship in Christ. If they gain that connection with Jesus, our power over them is broken. So let them go to church. Let them have their conservative lifestyles. 
but steal their time. So they can't, so they can't gain that experience with Jesus Christ. This is what I want you to do. Distract them from gaining hold of their Savior and maintaining that vital connection throughout the day. How shall we do this? shouted the demons. Keep them busy in the non-essentials of life and invent innumerable schemes to occupy their minds. Tempt them to spend time. Spend, spend, and borrow, borrow. Persuade them to work with long hours from six to seven in the morning, uh, from uh, six to seven days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day, so they can't afford their lifestyles, or so they can afford the lifestyles they want to live. Keep them, keep them from spending time with their wives and children. As their family fragments, soon their home will offer no escape from the pressures of work. Listen to this now. Overstimulate their minds so that they cannot hear that still small voice entice them to play the radio or the cassette player whenever they drive to keep that uh, to keep the tv cds and pcs going constantly this will jam their minds and break the crucial union with christ it's like a paraphrase of what lewis wrote keep them busy when we fast you purposefully slow down this is going to be a slow fast all right you purposefully choose to slow life down and say i'm going to look at the essentials did you hear what he says there keep them busy with the non-essentials keep them busy with the important but the not crucial instead of the crucial friends when we make decisions when we consecrate ourselves in this week we choose to focus on the crucial instead of the important So that's just as an intro to fasting. Now the question I struggled with this week is, how do we fast in a way that produces transformation in us and through us? Because what is the purpose of fasting? What is the purpose of you being in church? Is you trusting that God will do something in you and through you? I can look at the husbands here. I know most of you guys. You love your wives. And you want to be a good husband for your wife. That's why you're here this morning. Because something will happen in you that will make you a better husband to your wife. There's one man, he was speaking to his children and, the, and his children asked, he said, why do you read the Bible every morning? Why do you pray every morning? And his answer to his children was so profound, so simple yet so profound. Is he said, because if I spend time with God, God helps me to be a better daddy to you. Friends, that's exactly what happens in fasting. Let's not overcomplicate this. When you spend time with God, God will bring breakthrough in your life that will give you peace with yourself and peace with your neighbor. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as you love yourself. When we consecrate moments, when we consecrate a, a week and we just say, we're going to start tomorrow and I'll give you a, a very good idea of how to do this, how to do this uh, right. But I promise you, God will give you peace with yourself. And as He gives you peace with yourself, He will give you peace with your wife, with your children, with your community. God is faithful. 
So what better to look at than to, uh, than to look at Jesus' life because Jesus fasted. In Luke 4, verse 1 to 14, I'm going to read the passage to you. This is what the Word of God says. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now remember, before this happened, he was baptized by John the Baptist. Literally, full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just came upon him, and he was leaving the area where he was baptized, the Jordan area, and this is what happened. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days. And when, they, and when these days ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up, and he showed him all the kingdoms of, the, of this world in a moment of time. And he said to him, To you I will give the authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to, to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him alone shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to guard you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And then the devil had ended every temptation. He departed from him into, uh, until the opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went, about through the, uh, uh, went out throughout the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. It's an interesting story. And friends, we want to keep it simple. How did Jesus fast? And was the fast successful? That's the question. How did he fast? Was it successful? Now, we know it was successful. We know the end of the story. We know Jesus was crucified. He was dead. He was buried. He rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven. So what can we learn from this? And this is stuff that I believe is so crucial for us as a church. Because if you are in any way, in any way religious, you're going to miss the first point. You're going to think, I have to fast to make God happy. First point here is fasting settles your identity. You fast as a son, not to become a son. Why don't, you, why don't we start doing it from the right place? Because I can guarantee you now, there's some people, you doubt your identity in Christ, and you think, okay, fine, I need to be more religious to be more acceptable to God. You need to settle the gospel. We need to settle what God says about us. And that is our biggest battle because when you start looking at yourself the way God looks at you, you can do anything. I can tell you stories about men and women who knew who they were in Christ and what they did. The story of the man that went into the, into the colony of lepers just to evangelize them, knowing that he was going to die in that community. He knew who he was. He knew that his identity was settled in eternity. It wasn't settled in the temporal life that we have. 
He knew that his glory was settled in eternity, not in the here and the now. How do we find that identity? It's interesting. I just want to give you kind of this, this idea. John the Baptist that just baptized Jesus. Okay, context here. He just baptized Jesus. If you read John the Baptist's story in John 1 verse 29 and John 1 verse 33, it's one chapter in the Bible where John the Baptist talks about Jesus. And he says, if you meet Jesus, let me tell you what his identity is. Let me tell you who Jesus is. And John went, you can read, the, you can read John uh, chapter 1, but in verse 29, John the Baptist says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of this world. Do we know that story? Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of this world. Behold the Savior. Behold Jesus. He will save you. Now it's interesting. If I introduce anyone to you, I will say, This is Linda. She's my wife. So there's one dynamic of her identity. She's the mother of Luke and Josh. That's another. It's almost like a diamond. Little, many, many, um, what do you call it? Facets to this one beautiful stone. And when light shines on it, because of all the facets, you see a glory coming from it. And often the church stops there with Jesus. And if in your approach to this fast, you stop there with Jesus, you're missing something. Because John the Baptist goes on four verses later. He says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of this world. The second aspect of Jesus is he on whom you see the Spirit descending and remain. He is the one who baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. So not only is Jesus the one who saves, he is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So when we fast, friends, where do we fast from? Do you fast from a position of being saved? Luan mentioned it last week. We were talking, we were preaching about, about the, the, the amazing grace of God. And he said that if God gave him a vision of his hands coming down, and, and he said there's some people that hasn't taken God's hand in salvation. And there's some people that's lost touch with God's hands. They've taken it, but they've lost touch. You know, you can hold someone's hands without feeling the emotion. Friends, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, He will transform the way you think about yourself. He will transform the way you think about God. Let us not go into this fast doubting those things. And if there's people here that's doubting that, if you are doubting the one who takes away the sins of this world, God wants to do business with you. He wants to help you to settle that in your life once and for all. And if there's people who have received salvation, but you have never received baptism in the Holy Spirit, why don't you consider that? Can't we pray for you for that? Can't we pray for you that you will experience the power of God in your life? Because we cannot just preach one perspective or one aspect of Jesus. He's like a diamond. There's many different facets. And when you understand, when you start seeing the different facets, you start seeing the glory of God. And I believe that's what will happen if we go into this fast ride. Settle this. Are you settled in your sonship? Are you settled in your salvation? 
Think about that. Are you settled or are you doubting it? Are you religious or are you in a relationship? When I say to you, God loves you, you say, I know he does, but. Friends, there's too many people that walk around with that but because that but will keep you from living the life that God's called you to. Settle that in your life. And I believe God wants to do it. We'll talk about salvation. The second thing in the way that Jesus is fast. In fasting, God reveals and defeats your weaknesses. It's interesting that the devil tempted Jesus. Now we know that Jesus was the son of God. He was sinless. Yet he was tempted. So what we learn here is even though Jesus was tempted, if the devil comes to you and he tempts you, I know all of us fall. I know all of us have stuff that we need to deal with. But I believe as we fast, God will start dealing with the, your, your weaknesses. If there's a certain pattern in your life that's defining you, if you're struggling to overcome your, uh, your anger issue and it's just a constant thing, you will see in this little booklet that we handed out and you will see the different ways that you can read this book. But if you realize that there's one temptation in your life that's constantly coming and the devil is constantly winning, why don't you make it something that you fast about? Because we can see here, victory comes. When we fast, victory comes. God will reveal your weaknesses, friends, and it is ouch. I don't know if you have ever had a weakness in your character revealed and, the, and you just confronted with yourself and it's just like, ouch. It's such a good pain. It's such a good pain because when God works that pain out, all of a sudden it's like a, it's like a sports injury when that injury is healed and you can compete to the fullness of your, your potential. That's what God wants to do in us. So in fasting, do not be surprised if weaknesses comes out. Do not be surprised if something happens that just aggravates your insecurity. Do not be surprised. It's God's grace that it, that's happening there. So in fasting, God will reveal and defeat your weaknesses. Stay close to your connect groups and stay close to God. Two things. If you are not in connect groups, you guys, if you want to get involved with connect groups, you can let us know. But friends, the way God will deal with these things is He wants to keep you close to, you, uh, close to Him and He wants to keep you close to your family, close to spiritual family. Stay close. If you're not in connect groups, come and speak to us about it. It'll transform your life. As we fast, number three here, as we fast, God brings, God turns knowledge into revelation. I don't know about you, but at times you know what the Bible says, yeah, but you don't experience it, yeah. Can you be expectant that God will start making His Word alive to you? I'm reading a book, and the man that, the man that this chapter is about is John G. Lake. John G. Lake was known for incredible miracles. Like literally incredible miracles. He prayed for his wife. His wife was literally at the last. She was taking the strongest medication of that time. It was in the, in the late 1800s, if I'm correct. So about the 1900s, around there. 
And she was taking the strongest medication that was literally ripping her body apart, but that was the only thing the, the doctors could give her. And she was lying there, and the doctors came to John G. Lake, and, and, and they, he said to, uh, they said to, to, to John G. Lake, they said, listen here, this is it. You need to get ready to say goodbye to your wife. She's going to die soon. And he went and he sought God's face and he read the Bible and he, and he prayed. And I don't know exactly the, how the events unfolded, but God came into his room and something happened. And he walked into, his room and he, into a room and he started praying for her and he started praying for her. And the book says in less than five hours, she literally got up from her bed and she was totally healed. Totally healed. By his stripes, we have been healed. If you're struggling with healing, you know what's going to change that into the manifestation of your healing is a revelation from the Holy Spirit. Friends, as a church, we cannot just read the Bible and read it as knowledge, as a good, as a good book on, 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 on morals. God wants, to, God wants to give you a word that will unlock the power of heaven in your life. You were not born, and I tell you, God did not bring you to this earth to live an average life. Even if an earthly father, if I look at the way that, I, if I consider the way I look at my children, man, I want them to flourish. I want them to fly high. I want them to succeed huge. That is my heart for my children. Now, if an earthly father feels that way, you weren't born for average living. You weren't born to live next to your neighbor and have a passion and have a love for your neighbor and never see him saved. You weren't born to see family members that just live lives and they go to hell. Wrestle with God in this fast time. Friends, we're going to have moments where we pray together, but you wrestle with God until he makes his word life to you. I can come to you Sunday morning because I've considered this word the whole week. I've wrestled with this word the whole week. And I can give you my revelation, and I know it will help you. But what about yours? What about your testimony? What about your, your, your miracles that's only yours to take? Friend, the city of ours need God. The men and the women, I look at the teachers that I see all around here. We've got so many teachers. We must be a very clever church. I look around, I look at you. Your children need God. Your patients need God. And it's going to take you, listen friends, it's going to take you wrestling with God. And it's going to be like a Jacob moment where you say, God, I will not let you go until you bless me with revelation. Father, this sin in my life must die and I'm sick and tired of it. It's destroying me. It's destroying my relationships. Father, give me an answer and God will give you an answer. So in fasting, God turns knowledge into revelation. And in fasting... God empowers us to be conduits of His power. Conduits is just like a pipe. Is if, if, if you take fresh water and you take a pipe, one kilometer long pipe, and, and it delivers the fresh water from here to there, it's basically just the pipe is a conduit. It's so humbling 
because you are not the glorious one. What is important, the pipe or the water? Okay, there seems to be doubt here. It's the water because a pipe doesn't quench your thirst. But if you are a conduit of... What, does, what, does, what do the people in your life need? They need the power of God in their lives. They don't need Mike in their lives. If I deliver Mike to you this morning, you're going to leave disappointed. I tr trust me. Trust me. If I deliver Tatenda to you, you're going to leave encouraged. <laughs> now I'm missing. Friends, but the, the point here is if you, if you see what happened to Jesus, in verse 1 it says, Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. In verse 14 it says, Jesus re returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. There's a little bit of a difference. And what happened in the middle? A fast. A fast. A 40-day fast. Hunger. Temptation. Listen to verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went throughout all the surrounding areas. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. God will do something in your life that will cause people to glorify God. That's worth fasting for. These four points that we made here, it settles your identity. God reveals and defeats your weaknesses. God brings and turns knowledge into revelation. He empowers us to be conduits of His power. Friends, every single one of us needs something in every single one of those points. And that's what we're fasting for as a congregation. I can try to sweep you up to do this. But if you have a conviction in your heart and you say, God, I want to get close to you. This week, I want to consecrate this year to you. This week, Lord, I want to consecrate my life to you. I want you to settle my identity. I'm struggling with my identity. I'm struggling with insecurity. This week is for you.